In this episode, I'm talking with one of Canada's most iconic musicians. As the lead singer of Glass Tiger, the five-time Juno Award-winning Canadian band that also earned a Grammy nomination and five Canadian Classic Awards, Mr. Alan Frew. He's a multi-platinum selling singer-songwriter, a public speaker, a podcaster, and the author of the best-selling book released in 2007, The Action Sandwich, a six-step recipe to success by doing what you're already doing. There's a line in that book, and to me it is so profound, and yet when I first read it, perhaps 10 years ago, it probably didn't resonate, but today it carries a lot of weight. It goes like this. You and fear have to come to a little arrangement. How many times did we look fear in the face this past year? Dozens. How many times do we look fear in the face throughout a lifetime? Probably too many to count. It's a fact of life and we're all facing it in the past, here today, tomorrow, maybe even the next day. The question is, what are we going to do about that annoying feeling of fear that keeps popping up and getting in the way of dreams and pursuits? Alan had a tremendous fear to overcome performing on stage and he tells a tale in his book about how violently ill he would become before each performance. He looked fear hard in the face and decided he had other plans and look where life has taken Alan today and continues to lead him to action even through a pandemic. This band got me through high school and university. I played them on my Walkman and Ghetto Blaster obsessively. When I first saw Glass Tiger perform live in my home turf in 1986, I never would have thought I'd be sharing a podcast episode with the leader of that band. No way. And yet here we are some 30 years later. Dreams come true. How does that happen? Well, it began with an uncanny encounter first with my husband. So stick around and you'll find out the rest. Thank you. Okay. Uh, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? You're a busy man, and I appreciate you taking the time. That's awesome. From one podcaster to another, the platform of my podcast uh, is—if um, you don't know—it's about COVID crusaders, entrepreneurs, professionals, be it an artist, people who endured through 2020, just following their passion, staying true to themselves, just not surviving through the year, but really thriving. And I want to share those stories, those important backstories to give others, listeners, some inspiration. And you're just full of inspiration. Of course, your book, The Action Sandwich, brilliant. Um, and, we, and we'll talk about that. In fact, that's my first question for you right now is, is that book? And in your first chapter, Food for Thought, before the first chapter, um, in your 2007 bestselling book, it reads, it's about the performance not the applause. Now, how has 2020 made that statement even more relevant at a time when artists can no longer savor that glory and gratitude from a well-entertained audience, you know, just by listening to their applause? A time when there is no live audience, but the need to perform still has to go on. Well, it's like, if you use the metaphor, it's like the performance is the journey and the applause is the 
payoff, whatever that is, the success. And that could be just the fact that people are appreciating you or it could be a financial thing. So if you use it as a metaphor, it's all about the performance, i.e. doing the work and the applause is, is the payoff. The only difference right now is there's uh, very little applause <laughs> available. Uh, I've lost uh, close to 100 shows in the last year. Wow. And the future isn't uh, that much brighter for 2021. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to stay focused and positive and all those things that we tell each other. And you have to look for other avenues. You know, for me, I've been working on a second book. Um, I've been working on a script with a writer from Los Angeles. Uh, I've been working on my own podcast. Right. And, uh, you know, the, these little things that you do, again, you're doing it for the performance and maybe some of it has an applause that can be monetized, maybe, you know. Uh, I've done some online shows where I've been hired to perform and, uh, and the applause has been monetized, but not nearly to the standard that you would do if you were out there doing, you know, 100 shows a year. But you just have to, uh, you have to work with the tools you've got. And here we are. We're in, I'm lucky that I have a legacy. I'm lucky that people care enough to say, hey, we'll come on your podcast or we'll hire you to perform for my company. Uh, or if you paint a picture, uh, I'll buy it, you know. And so I've been able to stay busy, mm -hmm. stay focused. and. Uh, and, and do what I can. And now you released this beautiful album at Christmas time last year in our COVID year. Great example how you stay busy and focused and still continue to deliver such beautiful entertainment for your audience. It's a lovely well, album. You know, it's what it's what we do. It's what I do. And if we, if you're going to put a, a holiday CD out, my whole thing was. I'm, I'm a-religious, so uh, I didn't want to do anything uh, of a religious nature. Mm -hmm. And um, I also didn't want to do White Christmas and Frosty the Snowman. And, you know, they've all been Rudolph. They've all been done to death. So I agreed that if I was going to do um, uh, an original uh, holiday CD, I, if I was going to do a holiday CD, that it had to be original. And, and that's what we did. It sure is beautiful and original. So in your 2007 book, this book is full of the action sandwich, funny anecdotes and life lessons that obviously have shaped who you are today. But can you take our listeners back to a particular time in your life that really helped build your character and your stamina to endure through the pandemic? Well, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm writing a new book and I just read over uh, the prologue into chapter one and it's that very thing. I talk about how um, as a young boy 
in you know Glasgow has a reputation for being a very tough city and and it is comes by honestly but the town that I was born in uh dials that up a few notches and even people from Glasgow were always afraid to come into my town and as a as a young lad you know I had a house with a couple of parents in it but that was about it <laughs> you know the house was a place to go to get a sandwich and a cup of tea and then you were back out in the streets again so I learned at a very very young age how to negotiate my way through the perils of uh, my environment and being of smaller stature I was still able to use my brain and my communication skills so much so that even big you know neanderthal guys that could have picked me up and put me in their back pocket they ended up following me instead of crushing me <laughs> so i was able to become the negotiator and the leader of the pack uh, which came in handy right and so then i just learned a lot of sort of wheeling and dealing and moving and shaking and dodging and weaving and even though i, I didn't realize it then when i look back on it now the principles that i talk about in my book that being receptivity being receptive to the outside environment to ideas and suggestions uh having the desire to want to learn more want to want to do more you know uh having a belief system in yourself that you're worthy of these things uh the power of intention where the universe comes to the table mm -hmm. and says okay um who you tell me you are i i believe that um so make it good <laughs> you know because if you're wishy-washy about it then the universe believes you're wishy-washy and you just get more wishy-washy and then take an action and so i i at uh at the adult stage when i was formulating the principles of my book i realized that i've been using these little principles my whole life okay um and so i talk about success on your own terms what's what is success to you may not be success to me and that's okay and uh you know i talk about i use a metaphor of bob bob the door opener you know if, if bob's outside the building the the multi billion dollar building opening the doors each morning for the ceos right but the ceos are so wired and so out of sync and and and, and you know they could be having tremendous problems at home and 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 they're just freaked out with life and good old bob is opening the door and he's got a couple of kids and a wife at home and he lives in a little rented apartment and he's happy as can be uh then who's the success and who's the failure right you know can't be about money 
and who's got the most toys. It just can't be. Mm -hmm. In your book, you, you reference Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, one of my right. all-time favorites. And Hill lays out his 13-step principle, very similar um, to which your six is centered on, uh, except you, of course, explain it in a very funny, very charismatic, very humorous way. Probably a reason why your book is such a delight to read and has become a bestseller. But there's another book that also is very similar in, in uh, this same kind of message that resonates, and it's Mastery by Robert Greene. And Green teaches us how to unlock the passion within to become masters of life's tasks. He analyzes past masters such as Charles Darwin, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein. And he refers to it, he concludes that there's a latent force that all lies within us. And by returning to these, what we'd call a primal instinct and natural inclinations, we were able to tap into a creative dynamic part of our mind to awaken our childlike spirit. Here's a really interesting passage to that book. And in my, in my opinion, it's a perfect descriptor of your book. Green says, masters are those who display a high level of creative energy, are simply people who manage to retain a sizable portion of their childhood spirit. So by this definition, have you ever considered yourself to be a master? Or have you been re referenced as a master? If I may be so bold, if I have a mastery of anything, it's definitely communi communication. Right. Being able to communicate with those around me, regardless of their status in life. So if you sat me down with Bill Gates, uh, or you sat me down with a guy who's standing outside the liquor store trying to get enough money in his cap mm -hmm. to save up for a can of beer. Uh, I'm equally comfortable uh, communicating with both of them or either of them. Uh, I, I love life. I enjoy people. Uh, I think I've mastered the art of communication, um, whether it's through uh, my music, my lyrics, my books, my drawings, my paintings, um, I think that would be as high a level as I could have ever hoped to attain. And I'm not done yet. I mean, I'm I'm still a student of life, mm -hmm. and. Um, I love it when someone comes along and prods me a little bit, maybe teaches me something new, something I didn't know. You're never too old to learn. Right. Um, but that would be, to sum up for you again, I would say that my communication skills, are, uh, I consider them high, high level. Have you managed to retain a sizable portion of your childlike spirit? Without a doubt. How do you do it? What's your secret? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it just sort of comes naturally. It's not really something I focus on. I just, uh, I have a very, I'm, probably rock and roll helped me a lot. You know, like when you're in a band and you, you're in your 30s 
and you're being adored by, you know, kids in the fifth, in the teens. Yep. And then you're in your yeah, and then you're in your forties to the twenties, and your fifties to the thirties, and now here I'm in my sixties. And he, and I, you know, we have people who come and see us that are still in their twenties, mm. or maybe the teens, and they come or younger, they come with their parents or the grandparents. So getting up there and playing music and singing and ha and relating to fans and communicating with them before, during and after a concert is a very uh, youthful endeavor. And it keeps me, keeps my spirit young. And I think songwriting does that. And, uh, you know, I can show you like, you know, this is sort of my artwork that, you know, wow. I work on daily. I had no idea. And, and this is no different than what I used to do in my school books every day when I used to doodle on everything. Wow. I used to draw on everything. And so uh, I think that kind of thing keeps me young at heart. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to the subject of mental health, if we can. I mean, you cannot talk about the pandemic year without acknowledging the mental health issues, social and emotional issues with youth, mental health issues for all ages. And it's very, it's a big deal for you, very personal. In fact, one of the concerts that Gavin and I attended, you had a big shout out for mental health. Developing mental stamina, however, involves turning inward to find personal power to heal, but it's not always possible and people need help from an outside source. How has your family experiences, if you wanna go into that topic, you to advocate for mental health? I've been fortunate enough so far that most of those around me and my immediate family and stuff, we haven't fallen prey to serious mental issues. Right. There has been some addiction in my family, just of substance abuse, but um, not so much just sheer mental breakdown. That being said, I'm a registered nurse to trade. I grew up as a health practitioner and I'm very compassionate and empathetic towards those who do suffer tragically from mental issues. So for me, it was a no-brainer when I was approached by, you know, mental health charities and foundations. It was a no-brainer for me to attach my spirit to it and my name to it. Because mental health is health. And, you know, people suffer deeply. And, of course, this pandemic has ravaged people. And, and... I don't mind telling you that I've spent a lot of time alone during this pandemic without my family because my family are in Europe. Right. And uh, it, it preys on your mental capacity to rise above it. For me, it's an age thing. I tend to fall prey to constantly questioning how old am I getting versus am I ever going to sing again? Am I going to stay healthy enough? And blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, I can put myself in a, in a place of, of, you know, mild depression. And then I have to rise above it. 
So those people who are in the depths of mental issues, I really, really, really feel for them. And it's, it's the least I can do if by singing a song and promoting a cause and speaking out about it, if that's what it requires from me, then it, it just seems simple on my part to do that. Yeah. Your song, I want to sing my song for you, for everyone. It's so important, definitely. And, you know, we can't forget you when you're gone because you're never gone. You're always there. You're always doing something, reinventing yourself over and over and over again and time and again. You know, the release of 33, I see you have your coffee mug right there. It, it's just, you're a band that stands the test of time. And we're so fortunate as Canadians to call Glass Tiger our own. These are our guys. You got me through high school, university, honest to goodness. Then Red Line played it over and over again on my Walkman. That was my favorite song, Thin Red Line, that one. It just, it, it takes me back. I start playing the song and all my senses suddenly are engaged. I can feel being back in the late 80s and early 90s. And we're so fortunate that you continue to pour out your song and your talent to us over and over again. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about your podcast. I see you launched it in early 2020 last year, about a year ago this time now. So was the podcast done um, as a way of, of course, we were still early in the early throes of, pan of the pandemic, but had the podcast been brewing for some time or did 2020? Well, my, my assistant, uh, Sean, Sean Andrews, had been bugging me for quite some time about the idea of me doing a podcast. But I, you know, I kept saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we're really getting around to it. And then the pandemic hit and he couldn't be with me here to be at home. And I spent, I shut down the podcast. I only got like three of them done and then I shut it down. You know, very similar to when I had my stroke, uh, I was very naive in thinking that I was just going to write to a few fans and tell them, hey, I've had a stroke. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that the domino effect that that would have went nationwide. And I, and I ended up, you know, news channels were gate crashing the hospital. It was, it was crazy. The naivety on my part was honest. And so with the pandemic and me shutting down the podcast, I was genuinely thinking about people around the world who may be struggling. And so one day I rather innocently clicked a button on Instagram live, just wondering if I could say hello to a couple of people. And I did that and there was a wee lady in Manchester and there was someone in Australia. And I just said, hey, it's Alan, how are you doing? And they were like, oh my goodness, this is Alan from here. And I said, how are you handling this, this pandemic? Oh, you know, they gave me their tail. And then I did it again. And I started to notice that people were coming on. And it was kind of turning into a little impromptu 
podcast. Fantastic. So much so that I've been doing it now for a year and I've had all kinds of guests on, you know, athletes, you know, uh, uh, actors, yeah. musicians, people with interest in lives. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be celebrities. And, uh, and, the, and the, the family, they call themselves the Fru family. <laughs> they love it. And if I don't do it, they berate me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's authentic, unscripted, and natural. Oh, completely. And I think that that's one of the blessings that came out of 2020 was that we were allowed to break down the barriers between celebrity and, and fame and just everyday common folk and just have those real conversations and talk about mm -hmm. something and impacting everyone's lives. Yeah. I want to move on to a part of the podcast. I call it splash cards where I read out one word to you and you just say whatever comes to mind. You can, you can embellish or just shout back a quick answer. Are you ready? Your first word, humility. Humility, important. That's the first word that comes to me. It's important. It's essential to the human condition. I don't think you can learn to truly love yourself uh, and love the world around you if you don't maintain a sense of humility. Beautiful. Next word, mindset. Power. Ooh. You require a powerful mindset, not only to face the everyday challenges that we're all faced with in this life, but if you truly intend to move forward towards any level of success, again, success on your own terms, whatever that means to you, you need, uh, you need a powerful mind mindset to do that. You need a powerful mindset to fend off the naysayers that will come. You need a powerful mindset to not believe everything you're told by the well-intended opinions of others. Right. Even that, that negative talk that we have in our own minds. Okay, another word that's completely off topic from what we've been talking about, but a little fun, Afghanistan. Uh, Sergeant Stryker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, selflessness. Uh, I went to Bosnia in 1994 thinking that it was going to be a one-off. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced to some of the most selfless human beings I've ever met in my life. Many of them, you're compatriots. You, you, you're, a, you're a military woman and your husband's a military man. Mm -hmm. And just their love of country and uh, their desire to help us all in our quest for freedom, uh, all the things that we take for granted. And so when Afghanistan came up, so I, so I thought it was going to be a one-off, and 25 years later, I was still doing it. And I've been in Kuwait and Oman and Egypt and Israel, but I, I was in Afghanistan four times, wow. and uh, a couple of times with your husband, 
and just the uh, just the sense of passion that they show for the the the, the love of country and for those around them, their willingness to help, uh, the desire to help other nations who are less fortunate than we are, and the people in it. I found out really quickly that many young Afghanis, they just want the same things that young Canadians want. They want rock and roll, they want Coca-Cola, they want to date and dance with girls. And these things can be death sentences for these young people. And so our, our men and women were over there trying to help liberate them from the atrocities that they're surrounded by and do it with, you know, um, all the passion that they can muster. I, I just, I'd go back in a heartbeat. I'd go back and see them again and again and again. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Maybe there's some way you can do it with your podcast or a virtual concert. Who knows? Maybe. Technology has opened up so many opportunities for us to explore. Maybe. Next word, fatherhood. Joy. Yeah. I wish as they get older. A gift. You know, it's such a gift to bring another little human being into the world. And it's a, it's a journey and a half to try and guide them. Your husband and I were chatting this morning about the teen years oh, yeah. worth having 15, 16, 17-year-old daughters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that, that's a journey unto itself. Sure is. And I wish she was still a little puppy dog, but she's not. And so they, they start to separate from you and they don't need you the same way, nor do they want you the same way. So that's that's a very difficult part of fatherhood, parenthood. But uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's such a joy. It really is. Yeah. All right. Your favorite read of all time, 2020 or maybe last year, or your favorite write, the book you're writing right now? Well, I have a confession to make. Um, when people ask me what music I listen to now, I, I, do, I, I don't really. like they're, they're, They want to know who are you up to date on, and I'm not. And it's because I write so much that the idea of me taking on more music and more music, it doesn't equate. And so when I do listen to music, I tend to go back to music I grew up with and classics and stuff like that. Because I write so much, I write lyrics and I write scripts and I'm writing a new book, I tend to not really have the time to sit down and open the pages and get stuck into a book. So I cheat a little bit. I go on uh, an app called Blinkist, and I, I have a, an app I use called Medium. And these are condensed ideas and, and notions and, and uh, thoughts from, other, from great minds around the world. And 
and I, I, I tend to absorb that mm-hmm. and, uh, and hopefully utilize it in my life. Probably the last great read where I you know, sat down cover to cover was probably The Success Principles by Jack Canfield, which I thought, I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I might go back to an old Stephen King or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not a voracious reader uh, in bulk, in bulk form. Thank goodness for audiobooks. I, I swear to God, yeah. I'll put it on two times or three times the speed. Go right for the Coles Notes version. Okay, the last part of the podcast. This is kind of fun. Q&A part. I give you two words, one choice or another. You choose the one. Again, you can embellish. You can choose one. You can say neither. But it's a little bit of fun, jovial part of the podcast. Soccer or football? Football. <laughs> Lesser mortals call it soccer. When you pick a ball up in your hands and you throw it to a guy, that's actually throw ball. <laughs> Where they got football out of that, I will never know. I was expecting a rise out of you with that one. You did deliver. Instagram or Facebook? I'd have to say Instagram, and I'd have to say that Facebook's become a fucking nightmare <laughs> to try and negotiate it. The things they do to it, and they change it all the time. But I will tell you that something's brewing for me uh, on my own that will it won't negate my need to come on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but I won't require require them as much as I do. But for me, it would be Instagram. Okay. Well, we'll watch out for that. Tea or coffee? Tea. I grew up with tea my whole life. Rum or beer? Beer. But I'm a but I'm a very, very fussy, as your husband would probably attest, I am an extremely fussy beer drinker. I I my beers are like fine wines to other people. I detest craft beer. I detest North American beer. I only drink beers that were created when we were still fighting each other with swords. <laughs> I, I drink Beck's and Guinness and Warsteiner and Kulsch and beautiful German beers and uh, Dutch beers and likes. So I'm very, very, I'll, if I go golfing in 90 degree weather and the little cart comes around and all they have is Coors Light, I will thirst till I get home. I'm frothing at the mouth right now. <laughs> All right, this one is purposeful. Croutons or bacon bits? Croutons, but they have to be they have to be of high standard. As you know, my wife uh, she doesn't do it anymore, but she created some of the most spectacular croutons anybody had ever eaten, called Marcy's. Mm-hmm. I'd love her to go back to that. She might. But it has to be high standard crouton and bacon bits are a little icky. I miss Marcy's croutons. I really do. Hope she brings those back. All right. The very last one. You'll get a kick out of this. Italy by the sea or Goose Bay Labrador by the um, snowbank? 
You really want me to answer that? <laughs> Amo Italia. Yeah. Amo il cibo. Amo la storia. Amo la gente. I adore Italy so much. And uh, as we speak, my wife is still there. My daughter's up in Switzerland. Uh, I'll go back when I can. I love Canada. I love my country. I consider myself Canadian. Uh, don't let this accent fool you. I have seen all of Canada's majesty. Mm -hmm. And I'll never, I'll never leave her. But Italy is my, it's my cottage country. Definitely. And uh, uh, I love going there. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've, you've given us a spark. We've been investigating ourselves. And why not? A little bird told me that. <laughs> he does like to talk. <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> Which is why it's so uncanny. And I, I don't, I feel I need to tell the listeners and I'll do that in my little opening segue, how our lives and uh, intertwining all because of Goose Bay Labrador and my husband and his joke. Yes, talk. that's where we met, isn't it? That was it, 1996. It was just before I arrived in Goose Bay, Labrador. And you guys were coming through to do a Northern Show tour. We got snowed in in Goose Bay, Labrador. Yeah, so for, the, for those that don't know, uh, your husband, Gavin, uh, and you, uh, I consider you dear, dear friends. Um, he's a whack job. <laughs> but the good news is he knows it. <laughs> exactly. And... Uh, I've had the honor and privilege of being his friend for, boy, what is it now? P pushing 20 years? I don't know. 25. And we met when we got snow. And, and it was because of my fussy beer drinking that we met. Because what happened was we were on the base in Goose Bay, Labrador, Sam and I, on our way to the North Pole, on our way to CFS Alert. And they put on a little thing in the, in the barracks and they served shitty beer. <laughs> it was like Coors Light or something. And I immediately started complaining. And one guy said to me, well, you know, the, the best place to get a beer, there's a pub on the base called the, the British Bulldog. Right. And I said, show me where. <laughs> and they pointed me in the direction, and Sam and I went, and you could get a pint of Guinness for a quarter. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's a pint of Guinness for 25 cents. And, uh, and so Sam and I were sitting there when your man came in, and uh, we had it off right away. And uh, we became friends that night. We got snowed in, so we ended up spending a few, a couple of extra days there. He then, when we were getting on the helicopter, uh, getting on, yeah, I think it was a helicopter off the base to wherever we're going. He threw a case of Guinness in with us and uh, the rest is history. I've been in Afghanistan with them a couple of times mm -hmm. and uh, we stay in touch, as you know, and you guys come see us perform. And, uh, and you were at my wedding. We were at your wedding, yes. What an honor. 
thank you for that. It was truly an honor to attend your beautiful nuptials with Marcy and watch your beautiful daughter, Evan, grow up. Our two girls are just, I don't know, I think within months of each other. Or I think that was the one that actually christened him Sergeant Stryker, by the way. I, you probably did. Yeah. And it was a joke off. He's hiding somewhere behind me. <laughs> it was a joke off in the mess at the British Bulldog pub. So I heard three or four hours in the three or four a.m. in the morning. Yeah, we told jokes nonstop for hours on end. Still to the stairs telling jokes. <laughs> yeah, Alan, it was a pleasure and honor to have you join join me on my show. Believe in my passion, which is storytelling, telling backstories to show authenticity, but more so to connect people. And well, the pleasure and the honor is all mine my dear. Thank you. We look forward to your next endeavors and your new book. Mary, thank you and continue success with your show. My biggest takeaway from this conversation is this. The show must go on and it does. Age does not limit us to keep reaching for mastery and never rest on your laurels, even during COVID. Ah, Alan, I could just drown in the stories you tell. Success on your own terms. Humility is essential to the human condition. Such great quotable quotes. I cannot wait to read what will be etched across the pages of Alan's next book. Lived experiences, wisdom, and advice, and maybe some of those drawings that I had the privilege to see during our Zoom call while we recorded this podcast. Alan's first book lays out six steps. Receptivity, desire, belief, intention, and then the action sprinkled with a heavy dose of passion. Steps to finding your mastery, as I like to call it. He begins his debut book with the line, my life is a true success story. But Alan measures success in simpler terms than what we might think. Not necessarily the rise to stardom. Success by Alan's definition is the attainment of that which you set out to attain, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant it may appear. Small victories, as told by someone who overcame big obstacles to attain that which he desired to entertain others. Alan not only overcame stage fright, but he made a full recovery after suffering a stroke in 2015. Glass Tiger went on to release two more albums, 31 and 33, and several show tours, including the last with Corey Hart, Never Surrender. Absolutely remarkable and how apropos. The action sandwich is an absolute must read, if for no other reason, just to enjoy Alan's witty storytelling. And now the book is available in electronic version, so you can have it right in your hot little fingers right after this podcast. Visit alanfrewworld.com to get your copy. And there's still time to take advantage of Frew the Looking Glass special. You can also follow Alan and Glass Tiger on Instagram, and you can follow Alan on his podcast, Through the Looking Glass. Alan's live streaming performances are just about as good as they get during the pandemic, if not even better than a concert show. Unfacts is a podcast by MTG Communications, Inc., a public relations company that focuses on building brand strategy by first tapping into the individual's backstory. By embracing one's authenticity, Entertainers, entrepreneurs, professionals 
can make deeper connections with their target audience and grow their brand reach simply by being relevant, relatable, and real. At NGG Inc., our business is telling your business. <laughs> <laughs>